Or what people tend to do and what I tend to do is well, if I'm asked a question and I don't know, I'll just like waffle until I find it. Yeah. And then in the edit, I'll probably just cut out all the bit I'm waffling to like the answer. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Third View. I'm one of your hosts, Hamish. And I'm the other host, Aaron. And today for our Diwali special, we're joined by Rohini. Yeah, would you like to introduce yourself a little? Hey guys, I'm Rohini. Thanks for the intro, guys. Yeah, so I'm a product owner. I work at IHS Market and I know you guys through Ria who has also been on your show recently. So yeah, I met Ria actually on one of my first days at King's. We went to King's together. And yeah, from there, we kind of became best friends. We did the Diwali show together, the King's Diwali show. So it kind of fits in with with the topic of, of this episode as it's Diwali this weekend. Yeah, we got a problem because like you guys are going to have to explain to me what Diwali is and like all about it. Okay. For a special. Aaron may seem brown. No, no, I know, I know like the basics, but I, I don't really know like a lot. I know, like, it's a festival of light. What you learn in RS is what you know, <laughs> essentially. But, like, a lot of our listeners might not either. So, yeah, of uh, course. Yeah, talk, talk to me as if I'm actually probably a lot of our listeners probably do know, let's be honest. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. So it's Diwali this weekend. Yeah, so I think, so it changes quite a bit, right? The 14th of, of November this year, but I think it usually changes. It can be between, like, October and November usually. Um, so it's five days and yeah the kind of main gist about Diwali is it's you know welcoming in the new year it's more about you know welcoming new beginnings over anything evil and things like that so yeah just so you know the new year thing is actually only like certain parts of certain Indians do it. it's not all like so like for example Gujarati people they have new years right after Diwali but other types of Indians have it on a different time I think there's four different new years which I only learned like a few years ago. Whereas I always, I was like, no, it's New Year's Day after Diwali. <laughs> I think this argument with someone at work and then they're like, no, like New Year's is in March. I'm like, what do you mean March? Yeah. And then someone else who's more educated than both of us arguing came. She was like to us, no, 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 it's actually like, there's multiple in a year. You must be Gujarati, so you celebrate after Diwali. So Interesting. Yeah. Are you are you Gujarati then? Or? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I'm Marathi, but I actually celebrate Diwali quite similar to Gujarati's as well. So I think, yeah, there is kind of different times. So the, I was actually arguing with, I can't pronounce it, but the, what you just said you were like about, because they said that it was in March. Yeah. So I think it was Marathi that you said, yeah, they said that it was in March, but I was like, no, it's in, this is where the argument stemmed from. Yeah. Like I was. Oh, that's weird. I don't know. I don't know who said that because. Or it could have been a separate part, but, and I just butchered it completely right now. So are they, are they actually from India as well? Yeah. Okay, yeah. So I think it kind of changes because I guess, you know, Indians who are living here tend to try and celebrate it in that, you know, most popular time period. So I can imagine like my family have always followed the Gujarati timeline. So that's kind of what I know. But I suppose if you're in India, you would maybe try and celebrate it during that specified time frame. But I don't know much about it, to be honest. I've always celebrated it in the Gujarati timeline, which is kind of strange, but. Okay, reload the team. You lost me at New Year. Because New Year to me is January the 1st. All right. So the Hindu New Year is actually different to the English year that we currently work on or whatever it is. So the English year right now is obviously 2020. But the Hindu year, I think it's like 2066 or something right now. And Wait, then, so we're actually talking about like, calen- like calendar? Calendar, yeah, yeah. Kind of like Chinese New Year, how they have the difference is there as well. Yeah. Is it still 365 days? Yeah, you know, it's the same. Yeah, like in terms of that. It's actually 2076, I think, right now, and it's going to be 2077. Oh, wow. I think. I could, have, I could be completely wrong. Yeah, I think I need a two-minute <laughs> break because I just Googled it. <laughs> yeah, so I've Googled that as well, but I also can't read my calendar from here. 
So is the month still the same? So do you still have January, February? Honestly, I can't pronounce the months. But like, is it still, does it still translate to the same as like? I guess it, it probably does. I just don't remember because that was a long time ago when they taught me that in Gujarati. <laughs> so. Yeah, to be okay. honest, I'm not great at doing this. I only you know, like, to be honest, I think with my family, we kind of used more of a, I don't know, not modern approach, but we didn't stick to the day. So usually when it's the five days, I know that the third day is like the main Diwali day and we do like Lakshmi Puja and things like that which is you know where we clean the house and stuff the night before because the idea is Lakshmi's going to come in and bless the house so you do that and that's when you do all the rangoli patterns and things on your door and put like candles and things there on your doorstep because the idea is that you know you're welcoming Lakshmi into the house and it's supposed to bring like good fortune and things for the new year so yeah we kind of do that every year really yeah did you say it was like a multi-day yeah five days I didn't know it was five days. If I asked you, like, what are you doing on each of those five dates, would you be able to say? <laughs> yeah, so the first day is the dawn. So that's, you know, the well, and it really refers to the 13th day in the lunar calendar. So, you know, when the moon, the moon has its own phases, it's the 13th day. And yeah, it's actually meant to be like the first day where Lakshmi was born into the ocean and, and she's then welcomed. So people do perform a puja on the first day as well, but it's not like the main Lakshmi puja. Yeah, and, and that's a Hindu goddess for people who don't know. You said puja in that. What's that? Veneration kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah. Like- when not you like a ceremony, like, you know. but like it's kind—I of, don't know really how to describe it. A- Aaron, do you remember like Arti when we would just like kind of venerate or like pray to the gods with, if that makes sense? Like showing thanks to the god, essentially. Yeah. Um, and then like offering, you know, um, I don't know if you know much about like prasad and stuff like that. So like offer that, and then once you've done the puja, then it's kind of the idea that it's been blessed. So then that's when you can then eat it. Okay. So yeah, and then the second day is, yeah, it's it's kind of going through a story. So I don't know how much you know about the background of Ram and Sita, the two gods. Wait, Aaron, surely you know. What Everyone had to learn this. I've never heard that in my life. I'm not going to oh, lie. okay. <laughs> We're all learning something new today, guys. It's, it's all good. Or maybe I have and I'm just trying to educate our listeners. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So two gods, Ram and Sita, husband and wife and basically long story short Sita gets kidnapped by Ravana I think, um, who's like the, known as the evil and Ram has to go into the jungle and basically get Sita so the five days are kind of based on this as well. Ram's brother Lakshman is actually third wheeling them the entire time so it's a perfect <laughs> story for <laughs> ideal. <laughs> Wait you got Ram and Sita are they 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 a thing they together? Yeah yeah they're a thing. And the brother Lakshman um, is with them basically the entire of this journey. Like, so technically, we're just going to call it a third wheeling story. Just... Um, wait, who's who's kidnapped? This there's a there's a demon with like seven heads or something, or yeah. eleven. I, I don't know which amount. Scary as fuck. Yeah, and basically, I think is he burnt on Diwali? Is that when the fire happens, right? Or is that the wrong festival I'm thinking of? No, no, you're right. So basically, there's three people, the three good people here. Lakshman, mm-hmm. Ram, and Sio. I've said it the most yeah. English way as possible as well. I know that, so don't hate me, <laughs> all the Indian listeners. So Ram and Sio together, Aaron. Um, Lakshman is Ram's brother. And then Sio has been kidnapped by this demon called, okay. called Ravan. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm saying it the English way. I, I feel yeah, wrong yeah. even saying it like this right Ravana, now. Ravana, <laughs> Ravan. Yeah. Okay, cool, cool. So then over the five days, Ram rescues Sita, I assume. Well, in the stories that I'm aware of, it kind of happens like it looks like a one day thing, isn't it? Like basically it's like a retaliation. It looks they like to, a one day thing. <laughs> well, it's like a quick, quick, quick kidnap. Quick kidnap, get in the, there, get out. Yeah, the ops got your go, go get them back. 
Yeah, because I was going to argue, like, are we sure she's been kidnapped or could she have just wanted to be with the demon? No, no, no. No, 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 no. no, no. Okay. They're very much in love, Ram and Sita. And they're like versions of another god, basically. So they're like... Is Lakshman anything to do with Lakshmi? No. No. Basically, they're they're like versions of these gods that already exist. So like these gods, they send like versions of themselves to be born into these specific time periods, for example. So the... I forgot them. I think it's like Brahma, Vishnu, Mahesh. They sent this version of them and then they met. And in this version, so you know, if you've heard the story of like Radha Krishna and so on, yeah, then you'll know that that's also a version of, I believe, Brahma, Vishnu, Mahesh. I don't know which way around it is. I may have screwed it up. I may have screwed it up entirely, but this is not, a, this is not very educational. I think you got the gist. I'm not going to lie. You, you just sounded like you knew what you were talking about. Yeah. I was actually going to say as well. So they base the dates and Diwali like with the moon calendar as well. So, which is why on the third day, when you do the Lakshmi Puja, it's like the new moon and stuff. So you have to base the dates on when the moon falls in different phases. So it's really interesting. And then, so five days, is that, is new year? I didn't understand. Is is new year after those five days? So is the five days over and then it's new year? Or is it like in the middle or the beginning? Okay, okay. We, we don't know the factually correct information here. Basically, <laughs> what happens is on Diwali, they kill the op. What? And he's dead. He gets his girl back. So basically, <laughs> I remember putting it like this. It says me, you, and your chaps, yeah. Your chaps got kidnapped. And now we're going to get the op, yeah. We got the op. We got your girl back. And now we're celebrating. That's basically the, that's the a, gist of it. That's an amazing way to describe <laughs> it, honestly, in today's times. <laughs> oh, yeah, Aaron. The thing is, you may like watching it because all of the, most of them are involved around love stories as well. So... And particularly that particular set of stories. So, you know, that version of them that they be born on Earth, they're all love stories. So you probably like watching them. Well, Aaron, you're into love stories, into Bollywood at all? Aaron's the wettest guy that you'll meet. <laughs> oh, no. Do you know his name right now? No, I don't. What is it? It's Dangle Conway. Yeah. <laughs> da- okay, no. So, okay. <laughs> Need the background for that. Yeah, no. Basically, we were, we were, playing, we were playing this game and a question came up. And it was, it was a game where like they put a question out there. And then everyone has to like submit their own answers to the question and you choose like the funniest kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And there was, I don't know what the question was, but then something came up where they wrote dangle, dangle or something like that. Or, so it's a Bollywood um, movie. Just I to think. clarify, that's not a film, right? <laughs> no, no, but like dangle is, right? Oh, du- yeah. No, no, it's actually dangle. Is that how you pronounce it? Is, yeah. Is I it don't it? know, Aaron. Don't, don't bring me into this. You know, <laughs> it, was, it was a film. It was a you film where it's, it's pronounced D-A-N-G-A-L. That one. Like you mean it's spelled? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's okay. a Bollywood film, right? Like quite recent-ish. But anyway, I was just like, okay, what does that say? Dangle, dangle, or something. And then everyone just started laughing. And I was that like, okay. stuck then, didn't it? Cheers. Yeah. yeah. Oh. <laughs> um, I, I thought the situation Hamish was actually going to give on Diwali was that uh, he had a girl, and then I was the one who went and <laughs> no, 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 ran no. off with her. <laughs> I wasn't giving you the. I wasn't giving you the opportunity to make that but, joke. Uh, but uh, anyway, what about like Festival of Light? Then where does that come from? Because they light, I don't even know, they, they light, not candles, how do you say it, like lamps. Um, yeah, because it's, it's kind of, because you're bringing like good into evil and it's supposed evil's meant to be like dark. So you're trying to kind of, I don't know, like light up the place, like oh, it's I lit, like that. you know, yeah, yeah, yeah like making that. everything lit, right? So getting the, getting the evil out and yeah, that's kind of, it fits in with the, with the new moon and things like that. Because obviously, you know, before... Well, I mean, when it is a new moon, it's, it's very dark. So it's kind of associated that you're trying to bring light to these new beginnings um, yeah. and it sets you up for, you know, a happy and like prosperous year. Yeah, I yeah. saw an inverted quote somewhere that was like, light prevails over evil, which is why you light the lamps. 
Mm, that's, yeah. that's as far as basically I think all of our Diwali knowledge is going. We've given the best UK version of the interpretation. Oh, I was going to say on the fifth day, actually, because you know how you guys have like, we also, I mean, you guys, we, well, me and Hamish, <laughs> not Aaron. <laughs> so we have like Raksha Bandhan, which is when you, you know, Oh, I do Bandhan. that. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, on the fifth day, it's called by like Druj or something. I'm not 100% sure on the pronunciation, um, but that's dedicated to sisters. So that's on the yeah, fifth outrageous. Day do you know how much money I've lost over the years because of that? <laughs> oh, unbelievable. I'm not even Hindu, but I have to do it because my cousins are Hindu. And I'm just like dishing out money every year. Like, what's, what's that for? I'm sure it's going to a good cause. Honestly, <laughs> this year it was great yeah, because, yeah, because I was not going to get gold cash given the COVID. Yeah, so this year, I, it didn't even come out of my own pocket. So I'm like, fine. Like, obviously, like the last few years since I've been earning, obviously, it's been coming out of my own pocket. And I'm just like, you know what? Yeah, I'm not taking out cash. If they want to give me their bank details, I'll send them money. They're not oh, going to give me that. To them. Yeah, exactly. I'm not going <laughs> to give you cash in the time where COVID. Cashless society these days. I did that with my cousins like a month ago, or maybe more. Yeah, no. But was that Raksha? Wait. That was Raksha. Bandhan. Yeah, this is this is for sisters on in Diwali. So Raksha Bandhan is before, and okay. you, I'm sure you get gifts then as well, right? And like cash and stuff. What's on on Raksha Bandhan? Yeah. I'll just get a chocolate. You got chocolate and a little and a little bracelet. Yeah, yeah, I get, I get, yeah, I get, I get that thing. Aaron, do you yeah, know what the bracelet means? The bracelet means you probably just pissed off all your cousin sisters. This, this, this. Well, I mean, they they know because they they have to like translate what I have to like say on like because I have to say like or they say no, they say like baraju bar uh, something like that baraju baraju. Oh, Aaron, here's another meme coming for the chat. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not gonna. Honestly, not I think you're getting shafted with the no gifts. Am I wait, supposed but, to receive wait, a gift? Just to clarify, I'm just letting you know. Like, I think you're getting shafted there. Like, you need to. What am I wait, supposed wait, to do? Hold on, hold on, hold on. All I remember is chocolate slash and prasad. Like, you know, like the sweets that you get the Indian sweet. Yeah. Am yeah, I missing yeah. out as well? Like, do I need to go? Oh, okay. No, I yeah, don't know. I, th- I mean, I think it's so. I don't Are know. Are you I basically think... saying I should get a PS5? <laughs> honestly I, I wouldn't put a foster family maybe um no i think like maybe i don't know growing up my, my cousins might have complained so we we also give like presents on both sides trying to keep that equal society you know going oh, so oh, i'm gonna start disputing well. all of the ones that come over now bloody hell You're gonna be like this isn't good enough <laughs> the thing is no. i've been complaining about that but i just i just get shut down to be honest <laughs> think think of what it actually means guys that bond so yeah the thing is um i think you know this fifth day thing you're talking about i think that specific time of year i remember so my mom used to host these things for like usually the little girls actually maybe like guess kind of like like a you know like family friends slash relatives yeah and then she would invite them and all no one none of us are allowed in the room yeah like maybe if we need to help with from the move something from the kitchen to them and then they should do like the veneration slash, you know, puja. And then all of them would be sat down here and then they'd have to eat first. And then me and the brother just start told, stay out of the way or you go into the kitchen and bring anything when I tell you. And I'm just <laughs> like, and they said, I'm not allowed to eat as well until they're done. I'm like, okay. It's not like I have a choice, you know, but I, I know this specific, it's not, it doesn't happen anymore because we don't have the space. But I remember that there'd be about like 10 of them usually. And like, the parents would even leave them here because they're like, oh yeah, they're fine with my mom. I'm like, look here they're going to eat first and we're just going to be chilling here i didn't understand at the time now i understand but yeah so like she'd always make sure it would be basically the cell where they eat and then yeah they go afterwards yeah that's interesting kind of roles reversed for that so and yeah it's also like a time where a lot of people also you know try and give to charity and things like that which is kind of how the Diwali show also started so yeah that's like the biggest student-led show in the UK I think actually I've had that statistic like in my mind since I started but yeah so 
that was a really great experience and and that was great because as you mentioned at the beginning with arthi and stuff like that they incorporate that within the whole show so they have like the arthi at the beginning and then they have like different you know acts bongra catwalk and stuff like that and all the proceeds go to charity so that's amazing they hold quite a few events launch party and a few others in between to raise money as well and yeah they pick a different charity every year so i think i think that's also a big part of diwali you know doing what you can for society for those for those new beginnings and helping less fortunate so yeah i thought to round it off i found like a quiz oh fuck. Oh. we won't do it like a competition thing we'll just like try and answer it it's from C- it's on the cbbc website so the children's <laughs> bbc so it should should be, be very embarrassing if <laughs> we can't collectively do this there's only yeah. five questions okay what can go wrong question number one the word diwali comes from the sanskrit word deepavali I don't know if I've pronounced that right. What does Deepavali mean? Columns of colourful ribbons, day of big feasts, or rows of lit lamps? Yeah, it's that one. I would guesstimate lamps. Yeah. Wait, we're going to get a star fam. Oh, it's yeah. correct. It's correct. Hondo B. Oh, okay. Question two. What is the name given to the decorative pattern created in rice flour, which is made by many families for Diwali? Oh, Rangoli, Rangoli Kiel, yeah. or Patash? Patash? Patashi? Patashi? Be careful what you butcher, because they're all going to be clips sent to that chat. Yeah, 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 but I'm trying at least, I'm trying. Yeah, it's Rangoli, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Sweet, sweet, sweet. Correct. Many families draw a colourful Rangoli, a decorative pattern made in rice flour, at the entrance of their home. What is, what's Patashi? Patashi, I actually don't know what that is. I think he means that. that, that Sugar discs, that's what it says in brackets. I think he's butchered this pronunciation. Is I think it's like Patashis or something. That sounds the same as what he said. Exactly. <laughs> I, I heard Patashi or something. I, I don't know what I heard. Patash, Patashi, potato, potato. Yeah, cool. Sugar disc. Awesome. Question three. How long does the festival usually last? Five days, 10 days or 15 days? Got that five, five down. Yeah. 20% said 10 days. Bad. Question four. Roughly how many people in the world will be celebrating Diwali? Over half a million, over 1 million, over 1 billion. India's population should be over 1 billion, including yeah. all the all around the world, Indians and Hindus. So I'm going to say over 1 billion. Yeah, go with that estimate. Yeah, correct. Ooh. Okay, question five, last question. One reason for Diwali is for Hindus to honor Lakshmi, the goddess of wealth. People light lamps to help her do what? Keep calm, find a way into their homes, or read holy texts? Second one, find a way into their homes. Read holy texts. Is this on like the family WhatsApp group? <laughs> like okay, find a way into their homes. Correct. Okay, so your score five out of five. Well done. You're totally ready to celebrate Diwali. Woo! Banging, banging. Let the celebrations begin. Moving on from like the Diwali stuff. So you went to the same university as Ria. What did you study? I studied political economy. So it's politics and economics. It's just Kings wanted to, I guess, name it a bit differently. But yeah, it's kind of similar to PPE. So economics. Yeah. So we kind of do similar modules in that way in first year where we split it up into politics, a few philosophy modules, and you can pick whether you want to do a BSE pathway or BA. So for BSE, you do more econ modules and then BA, you would pick more politics modules or like international politics modules for that. So in that way, it was quite flexible compared to other PPE degrees, which is kind of why I chose it. Yeah, also, I was going to ask, like, why did you choose to go down that path? So, I, I don't know. I've always had, like, quite a bit of an, quite a big interest in, in politics, even though I didn't really study any kind of similar 
subjects at A-level. I did history, maths, geography and photography. But I always had a bit of an interest in politics and I wanted to go down the econ route. So when I was, you know, studying at school, I did quite a few kind of like work experience scheme banks and stuff. So I thought, okay, I definitely want to go down that route. And then at the same time, I didn't like maths much at all, even though I kind of studied it. I was like, shit, I don't want to do straight econ. So I was just looking at different degrees around it and I was just thought, yeah, like very interesting. It's it's very broad. I saw um, I could also pick up like international development modules, which was always kind of interesting to me. So yeah, I thought it was quite a broad degree and I thought I could utilize it in, in different ways if I didn't want to go down the econ route. So yeah, that's kind of why I picked it really, just because it's quite, it's quite broad. Yeah. You said you did photography at A-level. Yeah. What's involved in that? I would have loved to have done photography at A-level, but it wasn't really something my sixth form offered. So I love photography. I've always been taking photos. It's, it's kind of like something I used to do with my dad quite a bit. But at my school, they luckily did offer it as an A-level. But I had like quite a bit of backlash from my parents because they were like, you know, this, like you can't go to uni with that. Like you need to get the standard kind of arguments, stick to like STEM subjects or these certain science subjects. And I was just like, right, like, you know what, if I'm just going to try and do it as an add-on because I just enjoyed it so much. But it's kind of the same as, it has the same structure as any art subjects so if you did like I don't know if you know much about fine art or any other kind of textiles yeah I did art A level okay perfect so you know how you guys have to do like coursework and then final pieces Mm. and stuff like that it's the same process it's just that like your coursework book essentially is also marked as like your main I don't know your main kind of grade so you know how you have a final piece our final piece would be you know, a set of pictures or we would use Photoshop as well. So you'd have to use Photoshop quite extensively to make your final pieces. And then you would do like a big like display at the end of the year, showcasing all your work, which is probably similar to what you did for art, right? Like did like a showcase of your pieces. It's the same, but we'd pick like our best photos or the best edited ones or given the topic and yeah we'd showcase that and then like we we'd have an examiner come in and grade you based on you know your whole year's work your different courseworks and then you'd also have to do like a technical book as well so obviously with photography you need to really learn about like the aperture the shutter speed and that kind of correlation and things mm-hmm. like that alongside other effects so in your technical book you would go into detail about that and then you'd have your coursework and then your exam books later as well so yeah it was really yeah. interesting i loved it and you said you faced like a bit of a backlash from that. Yeah, I mean, like, because I wanted to do, because obviously you start quite early in A-levels in your first year thinking about what unis you're going to apply to, what grades you need, what subjects, and you kind of get stuck into that quite a bit. So when I was choosing my A-levels, I was like, I really want to do this. But at the same time, you think it's the worst thing ever if you're not picking like a science subject. And I think that's just kind of from my parents and like just cultural pressures, generally people saying, you know, like you can't do politics and econ, they're going to look at photography and just, I don't know, not capable or something. It's just like you have all this stigma around these subjects, which is just, they're just not true right so yeah that's kind of the backlash I faced but then yeah so at the time I was kind of just like right you know I don't know if this is gonna actually help me get to study what I want to do at uni but if I can manipulate it in my personal statement it could show as quite a strength which is kind of what I did I kind of said you know like with photography you have different perspectives of things and applying that with I don't know anything political or economical you can actually 
come out with a new viewpoint and also you know just looking at something for face value for example right like a lot of people tend to do that but to look for a deeper meaning that coincides with a lot of things that you do in photography when you're looking at a picture you're like oh okay like anyone can look at that and be like right that looks like a building right but if you're like moving around you're getting the angle you can make that building look amazing so it's all about your perspective and finding different ways of looking at things and I think that's helped me become a lot more adaptable um, and also more open to things. I think that's really helped my personality in trying new things at uni or like internships and stuff like that, not just taking things at face value and like sticking in a box. It helps you get out of that box. So yeah, sure. that's kind of what I've gained from it really as well. Yeah. Yeah. Earlier, I was going to say that, you know, what was mad yeah, until uni, I didn't really, it was like, if you didn't do like, I guess, dumb subjects usually, or like it was classified as you were like stupid or dumb, like, or, you know, like you had basically flop so you're taking subjects such as photography or art where they let anyone in mm. which is very mad because at uni then i realized oh shit no these are actually smart yeah and they're actually smarter than me and i'm like why did we always think they were dumb at school but i guess in our school it was obviously very different just because of the cultural and kicking into our education so it forced people to think a specific way so it's yeah it was kind of mad how our school like discriminated if you want when i say our school i mean us as students us little pricks up until the age of 18 i guess so it would be hardcore discriminated against like photography media and all these other channels just because yeah people were like no like it's just a waste of a subject no it's true but i think that also plays in like as in everyone has those thoughts right like especially with our parents and stuff like that especially from the stories that you hear and and how they've been brought up and you know the cultural pressures they had growing up and you know, when they're kind of telling you, look, you know, you should do these subjects that will set you up better for the future. You need to maybe take a step back and be like, right, you know, maybe that's true for their time. You need to think about now and adapting to the culture of now and not feeling guilty about that. So I think that's that can be very difficult. And especially when you're at that age where you're, you know, you're gaining confidence, you're finding out what you like, you don't know, and you tend to get a lot of advice from your elders, which is great. But I, I, I think you also have to think about what you're passionate about and where you want your life to lead. So, you know, we've got one life, right? And it's all about, it should be about what you want to do. So I think if people, I don't know, try and encourage that a bit early on and try and, you know, take a bit of a step back from that cultural pressures, then you can really find out a lot more about yourself as well. It'll help you in the long run. And yeah, like everything's different. Society's so different now compared to what it was, you know, 40 years ago. So you need to really understand what that's like and adapt to that. Because times are changing so rapidly all the time, right? With so many different things. So I think like we just have to get a, get rid of that stigma and and try and do a bit more about what we're own passionate about, whilst keep you know keep those morals and everything, like keep them in the back of your mind and when you're doing things. But don't let that stop you from you know studying anything or doing something because you you'll end up regretting it later. Honestly, that's yeah, the best no. way to put that. Um, neither of us could have worded that better. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm just like <laughs> chatting so much shit. Sorry, just. <laughs> no, I'm just like just just do what you want, really. <laughs> that's kind of. <laughs> but you you said it a lot better than that. To be fair, only three of only maths out of your A levels were kind of STEM subjects, weren't they? Yeah, and it was also like the one I got the worst grade on. I hated it so much. And that's why photography helped me so much because I did that fourth one. And although it was a lot of work managing that, I think it actually helped my my stress levels during that period and, and just even just having that passion because when I was doing maths, I was like, I hate my life. Like, this is shit. Like, looking at the formulas on the page, like, just go in my mind, you know? Like, just nothing yeah. ever happened like that. So that was the one I really had to work for. And even at uni, I, I did end up doing the BSc route. So I did the econ subjects and I 
did econometrics that fucked me hard like that was <laughs> that was something but then why else. did you like, why do you choose to do a degree with like economics in it thing is i love economics like generally i do it's more the when it gets to like stats and things like that mm-hmm. that's what i don't like so much thing is i work at a data company now so i i do work with data a lot every day um yeah. in it more of a different way but when you're studying something it's a bit different because you know they ask you these questions that are like a page long it's not really that relevant to be honest it went fine and it was it was fine but i actually did the econ route kind of based on what my parents said as well because ideally i would have liked to study more politics subjects and have a room for that in my modules but because at that point you have to decide in second year, which is another thing. I think it's a bit silly to make you decide that quite early on. I think that should be a third year thing. But aside from that, I literally decided that in second year. So after that, you can't go back and change. So at that point, I still kind of wanted to go into banking, which is why I thought this would help me out. Um, and then after doing some internships and stuff, I realized, you know what, banking's not me. Okay, it's fine. I've done these subjects now. It's good to have them under my belt, but I probably won't like utilize them to to that degree but yeah um, it's more the stat side of things that i don't really enjoy but yeah hamish do you know when i was realized i was dumb in maths wow it was it was during yeah, yeah it was during okay that other... wasn't even maths like to be fair no no, no i mean there's a specific point <laughs> i love how you already know what he's talking about yeah. you guys so in sync <laughs> no no you know because there's a specific point it was in florin's lecture so florin's one of the lecturers we had at uni for computer science and we were doing a maths Ooh. module and we had to use mathematical logic to prove that grass is green. And I was like, nah, I'm done. I'm <laughs> done with this. <laughs> I'm like, nah, CVA in maths anymore. <laughs> no, Aaron, do you know what, when I was done, yeah, basically there was one of these lectures, that lecture of Florin first year, yeah, and he did it throughout any of the modules. He did plus five, minus five, and this would actually help boost your end of year grade by like 1%, depending on if you, how many marks you got up to 100. Yeah? So if you got 100, that would boost it by like 1%. Would apply it to your, you know, your module score. So what, what happened was that he was doing plus five, minus five. So he, Basically, when, get... when Hamish says plus five, minus five, this means like in the lecture, he would just be like, he'd ask a question okay. and then when nobody would answer and then it'd be like plus five. And that means if you answered it, he'd give you like what Hamish said, like a percentage boost on your final grade. Yeah. And it could be like plus 10, minus five or something or plus 15. And basically I remember, so I saw three people try and everyone got minus five. Yeah. I don't know why I got cocky. I'm a, that one time I'm like, you know what? Yeah. I'm going to stunt on all these rituals and get it right. I put my hand up, minus five. And then I sat myself down like, yeah, this is an elf. <laughs> I was like, there's no way I'm answering another question in this class. That's brutal. I remember like, if the bonus question on the coursework, if you could answer it, answer it. Otherwise, don't risk it. So I, I tried to answer it to level out that minus five. Thank, thank you, Baxo, by the way. I remember that assist that you gave me on that one. <laughs> I, just, I just never answered him. I was like, no, I can't be asked. But then there were times as well when he, he went up to plus 15 once. And I knew it, but I just didn't answer it. <laughs> and then somebody else got it right. And I was like, oh, fuck. Didn't I take done that it. opportunity. Yeah, yeah, should have yeah. done it. Honestly, after the first time, I, I learned my lesson because I thought, I, after I saw the three minus fives go out, I was like, oh, shit, I can, I can beat the rich. And then. Then you realize you couldn't. Yeah. I could. <laughs> <laughs> if they couldn't do it, I, I definitely can't do it. That's my logic. Did you both do computer science then? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. You guys are smart. Super smart. That's tough. I would if you if you had met us, you wouldn't think that. Trust me, <laughs> if, especially back then. We didn't. We do computer science, and but uh, we we resorted to doing a podcast where we just talk <laughs> and requires no intellectual ability. <laughs> no, that's not true. The podcast is sick, and you guys are doing super well. So pick yourselves up. Honestly, do you do much coding and stuff? 
No. So I work on the product side, so I can go a bit more into that. But um, yeah, for me, I so I work in a scrum team. I don't know how much you guys know about how these things work. I'm sure you do because you're developers. So um, I work on a team with developers who also were split up into, you know, front end work, which is user experience UI work or the back end. Um, And then also we have testers as well. So, you know, manual testers or automation testers because a lot of our processes are, are obviously automated now as well so i work as the product owner so i started as an analyst but i yeah i've just recently been promoted to product owner of the team now so that's basically just running all the work that we're doing we've got like a release so we have to get certain client pieces of work done per release um, and then we yeah just code until code complete for these things like I work on literally building right okay this is what we're going to do like say say a bank wants to start you know implementing trades in a certain way or something like that I'm just giving an example so I won't get in trouble yeah so I'll go away I'll you know make the design work with my team my product team work with the design and then check on higher levels with the client as well is that what they want then go back to the team work with the developers to code it and then you know alongside that process testing each time and then we release the new functionality or you know make certain number of bug fixes that we can also handle per release so that's kind of a bit of a rundown about what i do so how did you like transition from that like did you when you started was that different where you did you have any previous experience in terms of internships like how did you end up in this specific place okay so start from the beginning i really had no idea of what i wanted to do aside from banking and i did a few kind of internships and then after that i just realized this just wasn't for me i had a few friends who were studying econ at bristol and they were working at hsbc during one of the summers as well so i kind of got a flavor of what they were doing in MA as well and honestly i just realized it wasn't really for me. I didn't really enjoy the long hours so much. And I also didn't really enjoy the actual work. So that was quite important for me. So then I was like, right, shit, what do I do next? So next internship, I worked at a political lobbying firm. So that was cool. That was me trying to actually utilize the politics within my degree and that was cool as well I worked on like quite a few projects basically you you work with different MPs to get you know different pieces of legislation or different cool. yeah different things through basically or help other companies you're kind of bridging that gap between MPs and you know other companies or other organizations trying to push legislation or anything really I did enjoy it a lot and I worked with them part-time as well during uni on on a few things like scribing and stuff they held different events for different stakeholders and things like that so enjoyed that a lot but then I kind of realized that I wanted to do something a bit more flexible and a bit more kind of new to not really anything to do with my degree because I felt like I was studying that all the time so yeah I think my kind of role in society work kind of helped me out there so I was um VP of King's Entrepreneurs. So that really helped me out because I really, I've always enjoyed like the startup world, running a business, stuff like that. I did young enterprise at school and got way too into that, way too competitive for my liking. Part of my life I will not revisit right now. But yeah, so after that in Entrepreneur Society, we used to work a lot with the King's Entrepreneurship Institute as well, which is an accelerator program for different startups. So I did an internship then with them and worked with Um, a few different companies, you know, who are really starting out. And that really helped me understand a few more processes. Like I didn't really know much about like automation and stuff like that. Whereas whereas, like in these actual businesses, I could see how they were starting to incorporate that and how they were getting ahead um, with these kind of things as well. So yeah, 
I basically worked in a few startups and they were a bit techie. And that's when I kind of knew, right, maybe this is an avenue I could explore. And then when I finished uni, my friend had already started working at Iprio. So basically, Iprio was a company, fintech company that's been acquired by IHS, which is where I work now, but it was Iprio at the time. So my friend was working there and said, listen, like, you should just try out this product role. You do a lot of, you know, startup y stuff. And also, you know, you're quite into like, tech you should just try it literally that's all he said to me he wasn't like oh yeah like all your I don't know you'll really enjoy it and this is what it is I had no idea what this role is and because after uni you're just trying to look at what you can get so I was like yeah I'll just I'll go for the interview and it was for a product analyst role I didn't really know what that was and then they were like to me in the interview like oh you know after all what do you think you're going to be doing day to day and I just said like honestly I couldn't even tell you I just said like they were like have you have you not read the job description I was like listen I read the job description I was like I don't know what a user story is I said that honestly I was like but what I can tell you is you know I've got all these skills I can definitely apply them and I'm a fast learner so it's up to you guys you know if you want to hire me kind of like put it in there put it in their basket to kind of decide and I actually got the job so I was not expecting to get that job to be honest. And they did tell me when I got there as well, they were like, look, there were quite a few people who had more technical knowledge than you. They had been in product roles before and they could write a user story, which, you know, you honestly said to us, you had no idea what the fuck that was. But we we still hired you because we thought, you know, you've got <laughs> motivation and also like, you know, you've got, you look like you have actually got the skills and you've done a lot of varied work experience. So I think you could be a really good fit here. So that's what I was saying. Like a lot of people might think, there's a certain track to get into something, but I just want to like clarify that that's just not true. I think it's best to dip your head in a lot of different industries if you can, you know, if, mm-hmm. if you're able to do that or do other experiences because they will help you out in the end. And like, you know, with because I work on like UX, right? So like UI design and stuff like that. Photography has helped me so much with that because I'll look at something and be like, oh, okay, like that doesn't fit there. Like I think for the user that will look better or just like automatically these things come to me. Whereas, you know, like, the alignment of something on a page like people aren't so naturally going to pick up on things like that so I think you know it really is all your experiences do come in at some point so definitely just like yeah with the skill set sorry I've yeah. kind of rambled so much <laughs> I, I need to stop talking no but I think that's I rate that because I think that's so true there's been like times where I've been in like an interview or something and they'll ask me a question and I'm like well I didn't actually say this but like, I'm thinking like you know what I don't know it but like literally give me two minutes I'll google it and I'll tell you it like yeah. that's, taking that initiative could, is really good yeah, yeah. as well you know, yeah so I don't know I, th- I think it's as much like when you're an employer or I imagine myself like if I'm, I'm ever in that position where I'll be like employing people like you're almost like looking for potential as much as anything like them rather if they have those skills right there yeah I don't know sometimes when they ask stuff like that it's almost like in your day-to-day job you're just going to be googling stuff as much as like people just knowing stuff there and then really and like learning on the job as much as anything. Yeah. And being like open to learn. I think that's really important because yeah. you also get a lot of people who come from uni, not like, obviously I'm not saying this is like the majority or by no means it's the majority, but you get people who can be like overconfident as well. And they're not good to manage later down the line, right? Because they don't end up like listening to what you do and stuff like that. And like that, I think that willingness to learn is what a lot of employers look at because it's not just, you know, like they want you to learn what they're going to teach you and things, but they want to see how you learn on your own accord as well. Because like when you start working, you know, not that you are on your own, but essentially you are like you have to pave, you know, who you're going to chat to at work, right? Like who you're going to network with, how you're going to 
you know, get promoted, it ends up being all these different things. So you need to like figure out how can I get there? And I think like the willingness to learn is a big thing because you're going to be learning your day-to-day job. You can be learning things outside of your job within work. Also from, you know, people in senior management positions, there's a lot of scope for that. So I think just really show that you are willing to learn and pick up on things and chat to people. And yeah, I think that's what employees kind of look at as well. So you're right. Yeah. You you wasn't a product owner when you first started, were you? No, I was an analyst. Okay. And what was that? Two years, one year, two years ago? Yeah. Two years ago now. So two years ago. And then I just kind of got thrown in was working on a few different scrum scrum teams during that time. Also, my manager's based in New York. So that's another thing as well with a lot of, you know, international companies and things and, you know, remote working, working from home. It means that your manager might not always be in the same country as you, which is also something you also have to navigate and, you know, manage expectations on and things like that. So that's quite interesting. And yeah, so I've had the same manager for the past two years and now I've moved into the, the product owner role. I think I was going to become more of a senior analyst but it was more fitting for me to kind of take over that team given there was a role opening up and stuff so I got quite lucky there but yeah yeah as this was something you were kind of like almost like thrown into or just kind of like dived into is it something now you see yourself doing like for the foreseeable future I don't know how much you can talk about it like without being like no I want to quit or something like that but like I mean no, no, I love it. Like, I, I do love work. Yeah, no, yeah. I'm, I'm a bit of like a workaholic at the moment. I think I've been very lucky. I really enjoy the people I work with, my team and stuff like that. So I do see myself staying here. Also, given like my new role and stuff, I do see progression yeah. here as well. So that's also important to, to think yeah. of when you're in a new role. But yeah, so I do see myself seeing here for the next, I don't know, like. Well, not know. necessarily that like company. I mean, just like the role in general, like even if you moved company for whatever reason, do you think you'd still be in product or you'd want to maybe go back into the analyst kind of role or no, else? Yeah, I, th- I think, no, you're right. I think like I would like to stay in product just because it's also what I found in the past few years, it's quite new. I mean, it's a, it's a new thing, right? Yeah. And like, this is the thing. I feel like there's a lot of potential of things you could do. So although I might not know what those are yet I think the on the job learning and what I'm learning right now will help me like kind of get there because essentially my goal is to like start my own business right whether that's you know build a new software or you know in a completely different industry I don't know right now but Mm -hmm. my kind of thing right now is learning as much as I can on that side to utilize that for the future so it is definitely something I do want to stay in and yeah I think if I did apply elsewhere I would apply into a product role but I could also, this is the thing, it's it's quite good and flexible where you do learn other parts of things as well. So like I'm, I'm doing a lot of testing, for example, as well. So if I wanted to, you know, maybe shift and do an internal move, you do have scope to do that, which is good. So it does set you up to look at internally where you could go as well. It's, you don't have to just stick into product. So yeah, but I think for me, I would stick into in product. Yeah. On top of that as well, I know you're quite involved in like encouraging women to get into fintech. Yeah. And is that it, like including like STEM as well, I guess, in general? Because we yeah. had one of our previous guests, Natalie, she gave a TED talk actually about like getting more females into STEM subjects. And I think her role now at her current job is basically she's working for like an organization which promotes a lot of that stuff. So what's been like your experience? How's it been for you? Because you are working in the fintech industry. Yeah, I definitely do notice a gender imbalance. I think it's, it's quite clear there is one. So no, you're completely right. Like you touched on how there aren't that many women and in going into STEM subjects and things. And it kind of falls on that in product as well. I don't, I'd say there are more women 
in product now maybe in the past year that I've worked there but when I started there were like not many at all and Mm -hmm. even just my day-to-day I'm mostly working with men so for example like just in my product team it's three guys and me and then like in general I'll notice like thing is I, I don't notice this too much but I did notice it more when I joined this women's networking group which I'll, I'll chat more about later but in day-to-day I don't know you get into the office you do you automatically see there are just more men than women right and I think in product as well it is kind of the same so I think people and especially women tend to not look at fintech or maybe disregard it because they think it's all about coding And there's two ways you could go on this, right? I think at a younger, I think the younger generation of women should be encouraged if they want to do coding, right? And I don't think there's a big enough push on this at a young age. So that's a side of it. If, you know, like women want to be coding more, then I think there needs to be more initiatives and schemes when they're younger to encourage them to do this. So that's one side of it. But at the same time, fintech isn't just all about, you know, developer roles like as I said you know there's product roles and I think I didn't know that at all at uni that this is an avenue I could explore so I think like it's very important as well that there needs to be more focus on what other roles there are within fintech that could be you know I don't know that could cater to to women or interest women at all and because of that assumption it's all coding and things like that a lot tend to like kind of fall back on that so just just even noticing how many applications we get for roles like eight out of 10 will be men, we'll get two women. And I just think we need to be like, I don't know, minimizing that gap a bit more. So yeah, I definitely think there is a bit of a gender imbalance there. So what else do you like do to um, help? So you outline some of the ideas and the things that obviously should be done. Have you, have you actually been implementing some of these? Or is it just like, these are currently the things we're trying to work towards? So yeah, there are a few things. No, no, it makes sense. There are a few things that are you know, trying to be done and, and not just at my company, but kind of worldwide. So more in the UK, we have, you know, the gender pay gap report. So I don't know how much you guys kind of know about, about that. But yeah, I think I think this is quite good because it's really like holding companies accountable for the changes within them and pushing for that change. So in 2019, the gender pay gap was 17.3% in the UK, which means that on average, a woman was getting paid 83 pence per pound that men were paid right so like as in they'd be in the same roles or something right right that so it's, it's all about like women being in the same roles but there's still a disparity in pay so you know there's obviously a lot of background politics that might be going on or I don't know I can't I can't say for for all companies completely but there's different factors that can affect this and I think you know companies need to really be looking at their own processes and seeing how they can manage this and for example like in my company I know they are doing a lot to try and minimize that and we have a women's network within IHS so that's not the one I'm part of but that's just in-house and they do on a regular basis with the CEO as well kind of analyze this data I think things are happening where there's going to be a few more schemes to try and minimize this gap but I can't say anything so far but once a few schemes I do know and I know banks are following suit as well are like bringing women back to work so this whole idea of you know when a woman is in her career and then she gets like, you know, past 28, 29, starts thinking about a family. You tend to see a lot of women then drop off and not come back to work. So they start families and stuff and they don't end up in that same role or the same position and stuff like that. And a lot of us just pass that off, but we need to understand like, why is that happening? Right. And there's so many reasons why that could be happening. They could be discouraged from coming back. The position that 
you know, they had before isn't the position that they've got now when they've come back. And that can be quite disappointing. So you end up thinking, right, like I can't maneuver myself in these rigid processes. I'll just look for something else. So there are schemes now trying to encourage women back into work. And I think these need to, you know, have more of an emphasis on because they're helping women like train like in the year that you know they've taken maternity leave or anything like that or any leave they're still getting trained up and their skills are still being sharpened during this time and also you know they're giving more roles to say listen you know if you do come back in this time period and things like that these are the roles available to you and we want to make sure that you're training in between to get to that role so i think that's really encouraging and this is quite a new kind of topic so i'm i'm really excited to see what what other companies are doing for this but that that's definitely also a reason why women may not go into the industry and and not just fintech, just generally financial services and banking. Like in the past, there was just no incentive there. Mm -hmm. So it's good that that's kind of being emphasized on now through these new schemes. Yeah. Yeah. That's quite interesting to hear because I wasn't aware that when they come back from maternity leave, they may not end up in the same role. Mm. Yeah. I thought they took back the role that they had. Not always. Yeah. So that's actually interesting to learn. I think, I think we've discussed it in the past as well. Like, like for example, like I've said, like, honestly like she can go back to work and i'll just be the state i'll work from home every single day because it doesn't bloody matter to me and i'll pick up the kid i'll take her the kid if i have to it doesn't matter because i'm fine yeah like it doesn't it generally i can't be bothered going into office like work from home is <laughs> is a blessing <laughs> and i'm not going to say like i'm um, taking care of the kid is going to be easy or anything but i'd just rather do that instead because i'm just like she can go work she can go get her money i'm still going to be making money I, I don't i don't need to go to office or anything you know like it doesn't make a difference to me and yeah, I'll just be like the stay-at-home dad if I had to be. Like, I, I honestly couldn't care about that. But they're doing schemes as well to encourage, like, paternal leave as well, which I think is yeah, good as so. well. You know, making that a bit more equal on both sides. So, and you touched upon, like, work from home as well. That's a really important point, right? So, I know we were all familiar with working from home before this pandemic, right? Like I know a lot of companies were doing that and that's great. But we've learned even more now that we can be, you know, just as efficient if not maybe more, because for me personally, I tend to like sit on my desk, not realize it's like 8 p.m. and I'm still working because obviously at the office you would like leave to go home, whereas like now work is home. So you just sit there till like 9 p.m. and then you're like, shit, like, you know. So I think that's also made it more clear that, you know, you can really do other things and work from home as well in your job and in a lot of roles as well it's kind of forced us to think about that so especially in terms of women you know there can't be that argument of like oh well you know you can't look after the kids and and also do your work at this level because everyone's been forced to do that from home so you know creating that more adaptive environment has definitely really helped there as well yeah one thing as well there so like even though i know it must be quite annoying for the actual parents etc when their kids kind of butt in like especially when some of them can't go nursery or something yeah but honestly like it it takes away from the seriousness of certain calls and it just makes it's quite funny to just hear them barge in saying oh they, they lost a lego brick for example the other day and i was just <laughs> laughing I'm like, I'm like thank you because this call was taking so long i'm so bored yeah and like when dog's barking or something yeah. and you're like oh put the camera yeah. on like show your dog <laughs> yeah one of our colleagues has one called tommy oh so cute the thing you mentioned as well about like training them, like training schemes while they're like away, I think is quite interesting. I haven't thought of that because in an industry like fintech and just like tech in general, it's moving so fast. Mm-hmm. If you are away for like maternity leave or paternity leave, as you said, like, or even just if anyone is away for an extended period of time for whatever reason, because the industry is moving so fast, you can almost be like left behind by the time you do kind of return. 
so much could have changed especially like i'm thinking of it from like a coding point of view if i if i'm like building something and then i've gone away for have many months and come back that thing could have been built by now they could have decided they wanted to change the language it was built on or something like that so like having training and like keeping up to date with like the technologies like during that time away i think is is a really good idea actually or even not even during that time like when they come back to like get them up to speed maybe and then back into that role i think it would be a good idea yeah you're so right like it's very fast-paced and you know there, there are so many changes and aside from the actual work you're doing also just security changes and general Mm. things that you need to think about constantly so yeah just keeping that ball rolling by you know providing that knowledge to women i think would be very useful and positive how long is maternity leave like i don't actually know how long it is is it like a year a year after the kid's born or so yeah, I mean, I think it kind of varies. I don't know too much about it, given my age. So um, <laughs> I think maybe, I think it varies from company to company, right? Like depending on how much leave you can take and you'd probably have to negotiate that. But I think it's like up to a year. But then, yeah, I don't know. Pe- like women go back to work a lot sooner than that. So I can't see it being like a, a full year. But yeah, I think that's something that you have to kind of negotiate per company basis. Yeah, I see it all the time in like the kind of like the company benefits. Like if you're applying for a role, they might say like X months paid maternity leave. Or even I think I was, I remember applying for a role and it said like equal paternity leave or something. But yeah, I'm not sure. I do I do think it varies from company to company. But it might be yeah. like a set minimum. Like it has to be at least this amount. But I'm not sure what that is. Yeah, and just on like generally on like the women tech stuff, I think Natalie alluded to it as well in her episode. Like it is almost kind of changing like the perspective of it from like an earlier age and like the mentality shift and like getting like females in school to be interested in those kind of subjects and not be turned away and like having role models in that area Mm, yeah and then once you are i think she also mentioned she gave the point of view of if like once they're in that area well actually she she kind of mentioned how it's not like women are discouraged to get into those areas it's that once they're in those areas they're then discouraged at that point to leave like just by like behavior of like certain men like especially if you're like the only women in the office or something Mm. then Mm -hmm. particular men could like behave a certain way and make it a bit uncomfortable or treat you differently as such and then that discourages them to be honest yeah the the way i think about the product owner that we have in our team like honestly like like i wouldn't say like they're scary like you know what i mean like they're the good type of intimidating to make sure everything gets done in the team like since you joined and we appreciate because like we, we she always sat near us but then when things changed obviously she became the product owner i was like so glad and i was just like Okay, now our team's going to get our shit in order because we're all, like, half our team's fucking about. So, like, get in order. And, I like, because I sit next to, I guess, two product owners. Well, when I, when we were in office back in the day, it would always be like, oh, shit. Like, if they were a manager, I would be getting shit. <laughs> like, even even if it doesn't matter, like, I, I just wish they were the product owners of our team because people will get the shit in order. And they're not even much, yeah. like, older than me. They're, like, maybe one, two years older than me. But they're, like, I was, I was always thinking, like, I swear, like, the woman product owners that I've at least seen during my working experience. Like are just better than the male ones. Like, <laughs> and every, everyone. Good I think, observation. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I think everyone is like more respectful to them because you get away with more stuff. I guess if it's a male manager, maybe I guess we're made just too friendly. Maybe. I yeah, maybe. I don't know. I, I yeah. I mean, I think you guys touched on quite a few important things there. Like, yeah. I mean, you do have to show authority, and I think this is something I really have learned from from being an analyst to then kind of moving forward. Obviously, it is male dominated in my office but I think it helps not to create these constructs right like don't I think as a woman it's very easy to be like oh my god like 
you know, there are all these guys here, like I automatically feel intimidated and things like that, which, you know what, understandable, same way if it was the other way around. If, you know, you guys were just in a room full of like women, you would automatically feel a bit intimidated. It's normal. But I think how you act. Wait, is- I, did, I don't want to use the word intimidate. I just can't think of the word like, <laughs> because basically they always have to dress. I guess if they did, if they dress sometimes as dressed down as we do, I don't think they would get the respect that they would, sadly. But they're always like, you know, dressed up well for the business attire, whereas as like the, the developers that would be around. Yeah. Like, so we have a lot more slack in terms of what we wear. But I think like, I think that's just like in the culture. Yes. Yeah, like, so and that's a bad thing. Yeah, I, I get that. Look, yeah. I, I used to dress smart. Like I used to go in dressing really smart, like in the first year. After that, I just did not do that. I was wearing trainers. So yeah, like as in you have to like adapt. So I don't know. I am um, obviously you, you can be intimidated but you also just have to understand it's not that deep right so like conversations and stuff what I've kind of learned is just be friendly like just chat to people and just also just chat to chat to guys and just adapt like they you know for me personally all my friends at work are guys because there's not really any women now I've you know gone to the women's network and and made some friends and stuff but before that my friend that referred me was a guy so automatically all his friends were like my friends but you you don't feel that intimidated if you just get on a certain level and be okay with that level thing is I think it just fits with my persona anyway because I don't like sitting at my desk with someone like talking for ages for example right like it annoys me because I'm like I have shit to do you know like let's chat about this in a break please like (laughs) you know so anyway but in general like you just have to adapt and just understand that things aren't so different and it's okay if people don't want to talk so much as well don't take things to offense like that's another thing I think you need to be very adaptable to your job to your friends like not friends outside but like friends in work and things like that make good connections and of course a lot of those become closer like some of my best friends are at work now but at the same time you have to like adapt in a certain way and don't get easily offended as well however if there's you know obviously behavior that's that you can't tolerate which is outright rude and and you know antisocial, then you do have to report that and I think that's really important as well we have a lot of compliance things we have to do now so yeah we have a lot of we have a lot of trainings we have to do now where we address a lot of these you know behavioral things that could happen at work and and navigating the workplace with different personalities and things like that. And I think that's so important, especially in fintech, because as you said, right, like, and from what I understand, especially with developers and things like that, they mostly just want to like get on with their work and they're very chill, you know, and might not be very chatty, for example, that's just a quick observation, but not everyone's Mm -hmm. like that, right? So you just have to adapt and just go with what people work with and understand different people's work ethic as well and just get on a re- like on a level with everyone like I try and chat to people in my team on a one-to-one so I can understand a bit more like of the areas they they struggle with or that they want to excel in and stuff like that and see how you can bring people up as well and then if you do that you're creating like a meaningful interaction between you and them as well and it's like helping holistically and it's helping you and it's helping them. And and I think that's really important to do that as well in the workplace. So that can also minimize, you know, the whole male, female gender imbalance if you yeah, just so, try. Yeah, you know, one thing to add on there, like, oh yeah, to just kind of mention as well is that try to obviously have your professional relationship and still have like a I guess a like just a friendship outside of like the work, just because it will make life easier in terms of like understanding each other as well, even on a professional level. Mm. If that makes sense. So like even if that works so recently they're trying to become a bit more 
aware of and try to deal with mental health stuff. So they've basically asked each team to kind of have like, I'd say in inverted quotes, coffee break. So basically just make sure you have a video call with your team and chill, etc. So like, obviously with our product on, etc. It's already all chill. Like we can message other personal or professional. It doesn't matter. Yeah, like things will just get done. And it can be, it's very informal for us because she knows that she doesn't have to give us this next, you know, like, how do you say it? Like really, really formal thing. Like, because as you said, with developers, it's a lot more chill. So she knows that with our team, like you could just tell her, tell us in a um, simple bullet point, all get done. Yeah, this is yeah, D- adapting right. So like adapting to how people work, their work ethics, like how they are as people, how they interact with people. Like you have to assess all these things to get work done because ultimately, like you're all on the same team, and you need to make sure that like your goals align. Um, and as long as you've got that goal, and, and it's okay that other people work in different ways, and you know you'll be surprised how many people are not so understanding of that, right? So for me, like I don't have a problem if someone's going to do something in a certain way as long as they get it done right like that's my main point but other people might be like oh no like you have to do it in this certain way so it's also adapting to like different types of management as well and and yeah like it can be difficult to to try and show presence in some ways as well and that's why like I'm part of a network society for women it's called E2W and yeah like that's really helped me because it puts you in touch with a lot of women in senior management where you can listen to their experiences, chat to them. And, you know, a lot of these women, I don't want to make this too women focused. I'm sure there's also men's networks. No, no, but it's fine. yeah, like as in they really help you because, you know, they've been through it. They've been on your they've been in your role however many years ago, but things don't change so much in day to day work. So mm-hmm. they can advise you as well. And like also it helps with like well being, mental health, like work presence, getting a promotion, like, you know, these are all things you don't look at at uni and really vary from company to company as well. But making sure that you have like a work presence is really important. And I think that needs to be encouraged more for women as well. And you're right, like what you said before, like about clothing and things like that, like women are judged on what they wear, like and stuff like that. Like I came in really smart wear for my first, like maybe half year, I said a year earlier, but it's definitely half year. Then I was just going back into trainers, like jeans, like trousers, whatever, jumpers, like really slouchy jumpers. And then there was like, I can't remember, we had like some client stuff. So then I was like, right, I'm going to dress up like nicely. So I did. And honestly, like everyone was like, oh my God, like, you know, like, is this like fashion week or something? Like, I don't know, like some shit. And I was just like, oh, like it's, it's nice. Cause obviously you get like some compliments. You're like, this is nice, but it's also like, mate, I'm going to wear the fuck I want. Like, can you just yeah. not comment at all? Like, <laughs> That's kind of the bottom line. It's like, just let someone come in like looking like shit one day. And if they don't look like the other day, like it's nice to give a compliment, but don't, like for me personally, you have to know people and like, I wouldn't want to constantly be called out for what I wear. Cause then automatically it's like, you think about it. You're like, oh, like, you know, it shouldn't be like that. It should just be you putting clothes on and getting to work, which is the main fucking goal, you know, not about what you're wearing. So I say yeah. that, but we used to have like an internal, like in our team, we'd have like an office, like there was sometimes like this internal style battle on like, like a fr- casual Friday, like, yeah, it was like, you know, like you can dress both like the correct level of formally and thing. I would never be correct level of, you know, like casual Friday formal. Like yeah, my, my, say. my casual Friday is like informal minus I don't wear jogging bottoms just to clarify, but like it's very, it's very, very different to, I guess, other people's casual Fridays, what they have a definition of. Yeah. So it's interesting to see across the team how it fits here. So usually like, um, I'd say the best dress would be the product owner and the intern in terms of like style because they're better at maybe styling their entire outfit then wow. that's not yet but like, the thing is i think i think yeah no no but it's not like a um it's not like a you know thing it's like we just internally we would like oh, oh that person done the best style in the office today like shit yeah 
who's going to do who's going to do tomorrow like and it's not like saying that the women always win like obviously us guys obviously still win because obviously like for example we just have different definitions of style so it's it's quite fun in that aspect on certain days to see like oh who's got the better matching outfit etc and and it's just for like it's not like as as like a competition if that makes sense but it's just more like it's jokes it's just a bit more it's a bit more fun if that makes sense where it keeps it like you don't have to be this template what is this I don't know like template person in the suit yeah um, I think that's important I think like you can great. wear a suit yeah yeah you it. guys are like really like you know encouraging diversity in that sense and in that area so no I think that's that's cool yeah I didn't say my, my actual manager doesn't really partake in it but like um it's just like me a colleague and then usually the product owner and the I'm like for people who aren't in our team like we're just like partaking it just to see like oh shit that person's the best style in the office here today like fuck honestly I remember the first few casual Fridays I definitely was far too late to work and I just completely forgot it's casual Friday so I'm like they're super smart (laughs) and everyone's just like oh you forgot and I'm like oh and then it happened again the next week and I'm just like what what is wrong she'd just be like no I just I just wake up like this (laughs) just ride it out well one of my early casual Fridays basically I didn't understand that you're meant to still be like smart casual. This this wasn't left in the memo for me for casual Friday. When I heard casual Friday, I meant casual. So I was wearing my boy better no top. And I kept getting looks in the office. I was like, I'm not sure what's going what's going wrong here. Then someone told me like a grad that they met me in like um the, the shop outside. Would you just passing by each other like, bro, how are you wearing a boy better no shirt to the office? I'm like, what do you mean? It's casual Friday. What, yeah, what you're the fuck repping, no? <laughs> like, what the fuck is the casual Friday? <laughs> you should have just been like, I'm just repping, yeah. man. Yeah, I'm yeah, just so, repping. D- d- don't get me wrong, I still do it. I still did it, at least back <laughs> back then. But yeah, I'm not going to stop doing that because my definition of casual Friday is me being what I would wear on a Saturday or Sunday, you know, maybe minus obviously that jogging bomb. So I'm just going to wear it. And if that's not casual Friday enough, then you need to specify in the rules somewhere that I can't wear branded clothing or something like that. Or like, you know, like boy band no top to office oh they need to revisit that fine print <laughs> I, I, I don't think i could work at a place where there's some sort of like dress code you don't have a dress code now at all do you just nah. i know i never have i've never been at a place where there has been one it's all been startups i've all been like a really small startups when you interview places i always ask about what's your like gender diversity and your ethnic diversity like because i, I need to understand what i'm getting into if i'm going to go into it yeah i'd rather smart. not go i'd rather not be the ethnic diverse person that i'd rather be in a place that's already mixed enough or like mm-hmm. has a fairly reasonable percentage to where it can be. What answer then are you looking for? I don't want to hear something like, oh, we're trying to, you know, do the um, ethnic diversity. We do have some here. Um, we have like certain teams that are like are quite good ethnic diverse and we're still working on it. I don't want to hear like some dumb shit like that. I want to hear like a, a fairly reasonable percentage. Like I want to hear like maybe, ideally I'd want 50-50, but obviously not with 50-50. So if it was like 60-40, you know, it's, I get it because we're mostly developers. I would understand. But if it was 70-30... What are you, are you then like? Not it's not still open because my team, since we've lost, like I guess both the female devs we used to have, right now it's basically only the the product owner is a female. So oh, and her the assistant she she's got. So like it's just like there's like seven guys and two two women, and it's just like first of all you need to make sure that the next grad or intern whoever comes in is is female because this percentage thing. If we're gonna be part of the, we had someone that in our team that used to be leading the woman in tech thing at the company, so it was like. After she went, like we basically doesn't don't seem to be doing this. So maybe across the bank, it's obviously leveling out. But I'm like, in our team, it needs to get sorted out. And because what is this? Like, how are we in a time period such such as this? And yeah. we're not trying to be ethnic. Yeah. Right? So obviously, there's hiring issues and all that stuff. But like, we maybe the request should be explicitly like you need to ask for like a female grad or something. Yeah, I, th- I think they are trying to do that. Maybe a bit more. It's just I guess difficult 
when you don't have maybe the applications in the starting bit. But I mean, yeah, at the end of the day, it's also based on merit, right? Like that you want the best candidate in there, but you also want to make sure that you're being inclusive. So it does help when a company has like a policy for that, something you can like read up on and stuff like that, where they're being quite, they're like holding themselves accountable and being really clear with, you know, their stance on these things and what they're trying to do and stuff like that. I think that's really encouraging to show that at least they're trying and things are actually happening, like they've got results from that. So I think like I agree with you, Hamish, like I would be a bit deterred if they you know, started when you asked that, like, oh, you know, we're maybe trying in this area, but it's all TBD or I don't know, like some kind of generic thing they try and pass off, like that would like raise a red flag for me as well. But yeah, but I think a fair amount of companies are trying to encourage this a bit more. And I know like there's been a push for HR um, in other companies as well to, to do this. So it's definitely kind of moving. Yeah, the reason for this is all, also as well, because otherwise you're not really going to meet different people and learn like on a personal level, like, like yeah. you wouldn't understand more about different people or different worlds just because they'd all be, I guess, very similar. So you need to make sure that, yeah, that you're learning about, I don't know, like as a person, if you want to develop more, you need to meet different people. And if mm. you're all just going to be like, for example, if they're just going to be all white male devs, it's just going to be like, I'm not going to learn shit or I'm not going to know how to talk to the next person even better or like something from their culture that like they may do, you know, so like. You just want to be like mindful of that as well. Yeah. And and to do that, you have to make friends with people in that culture. So yeah, I completely, I completely agree with you there. Hamish, you'd have less people to take to the cat cafe as well. Fuck off, fuck you, little. You take? Do you take girls on dates to the cat cafe? That's kind no, of it's, what. It's, it's fun up. All I'm saying is, done it more than once. Oh wow, <laughs> two times a ting. So um, <laughs> a little shit. <laughs> I'll wait for a time to get you back for that. <laughs> uh, I, I was going to ask. There's there's one thing in the the realities of life bit where you've mentioned about I think it's quite interesting goals and like setting goals. Yeah. What's your opinion on that? Because here you've got like most people you've talked to have made a focus on like five-year plans and potentially even longer or something. Whereas I haven't, I guess if you ask me like what's my five-year plan, I don't necessarily have one or a 10-year plan or anything. Is that something you've like been conscious about? Like, do you have one yourself or do you recommend like that it's a good thing to do so? So I do, I've heard this from a few people. So in the networking group um, I'm part of, but also in, within my company as well when I've spoken to a few people you know on director above level so obviously they're older than us so they've had time to think about these things a bit more they've just emphasized that it's an important thing to start thinking about now so personally for me I don't have a five-year plan as such but more of like a three-year plan of progression so they basically I, I've been told a few things here but the gist of it is you want to make sure you've got a short-term plan so like that's you know, within the year, the next year. Um, and I think we can definitely do that at this age. Like this is, that's definitely something that's not too, you know, looking too far ahead, even if you're the most spontaneous person in the world. I think like giving yourself a year to be like, right, as long as I want to get these short-term things done at so some point in the year, isn't too strenuous to do that, right? But five year is a bit different. This is really like, I think we're a bit too early to be doing this now, but I think I would want a five-year plan by the time I'm like 26 or something, 27. And that kind of means you know you can split that into career so you look right okay my path what can I go on from my role now and how long will it take so you you want to mm. kind of give yourself a few years in a role to really gain experience before you leave to do something else right or you know the next step so given that time frame give yourself a 
five-year plan of being like, right, you know, this is where I want to be after two years, right, this title. I think like, you know, look at where you want to be, even companies as well that you want to work for and put that in a long-term goal plan. And then for your years plan, which is more short-term, just try and think of, you know, your career in that sense as well. But then also think of your home life as well, right? So I know a lot of people are looking um, and getting a bit worried where they're like, you know, I have to start buying a property or doing stuff like that. That might not be something that everyone like right now or even in a few years, that's really based on you. So you need to think about that and put that in your five-year plan, for example, right? When it's relevant um, and have that as more of a long-term goal or, you know, if it's in the short-term goal, put that in there too. Um, and also managing money as well. So I think it's really important to also save and things like that. And I know obviously we're young, we're in these jobs and it's very easy to be a bit frivolous with our money at this sense. I, I Trust me, I know. So I think it's also good to take a step back and understand where you want to be financially within one year and that's okay look you want to go on holiday you want to do this like live out for a bit or whatever you want to do or buy something for your interests or whatever whatever you want to focus your money on in that year that's absolutely fine but you need to see how it will fit in your five-year plan as well and see where you want to be financially down the line so it's just Mm -hmm. kind of having the goals and then every year you kind of revisit it so your five-year plan could definitely change and you know you'd be silly to think it won't change, right? You have to be adaptable to that and add in long-term goals as well. But just having like a picture also helps your like mental health as well and gives you more direction and purpose. And yeah, I think that's important because at school, you're very much goal-driven, like GCSEs, A-level, uni, like it's like kind of set out for you in that way a lot of the time as well. So you need to start thinking about your own approach to that in your own life. And that's kind of what the goals is, is about really. I was going to ask, do you have any examples or skills that you'd like to have within five years or within the current year or something like that? Like, do you have any examples or things that you're working towards or that you aim to have? So personally, for me, I'm starting to like invest a bit in some stocks and things like that. So that I've never been big on that. I know probably not that I shouldn't be, but um, probably should given given my role. So that is something I want to be a bit more savvy on. I've been doing that. And other than that, not not too much more. I actually wanted to learn a bit more into coding languages. This is something I don't know that much about. I work with developers and we look at, you know, a lot of code and I'm able to understand that a bit. And it's something I actually do enjoy. So I am looking to advance my skills in that area too. So that's definitely one of my long-term goals as well. And I was going to say regarding the coding thing. So my friend, yeah, he's basically been a product manager, product owner, like his pretty much his entire working career. He went as an apprentice and he's done it from like, basically since he was like 19 roughly so he was telling me that he would never want to do coding yeah, literally i'd say like three weeks ago yeah and then earlier literally less than seven days ago from the time we're recording he messaged me saying yo i i ended up watching a python video on youtube and it's so easy i wrote a calculator how i'm gonna keep learning now i'm like, I'm like okay like, i'm like that's that's good yeah because i was like wait i thought you never wanted to do coding and now suddenly he jumped in and said yeah but i'd only want to do python because python's easy all the other languages and stuff like you I may not learn proper programming like you said but Python's easy I'm like you know what fair enough yeah Um, that's actually quite nice that is nice and it's also never too late to start as well I think like everyone Mm. kind of worries and it's like oh my god like this person's got this many years experience over me and stuff like that and I think that's really important as well not to compare yourself to other people's progress and things because everyone goes through so many different things in their life and managing that alongside your work and your goals is a very personal thing so yeah and also just focusing on your well-being can't really um emphasize that enough but in your goals as well for your short-term ones in the year just looking about how you're doing that you know through exercise or like 
meditation and stuff like that, I really advise people to look at that in their short-term goals as well. Do you have any uh, short-term or long-term goals, Hamish? Basically, a lot of them kind of got scrambled and changed heavily after the the podcast stuff here. So basically, to be honest, I want to get out out the corporate world. There's probably no no secret now and probably stay a bit more in the creative world, like, you know, like the entertainment world, YouTube, etc. But I'd want to be more in the like behind the scenes. I'm not, as I said, like, I'm, don't put me on a camera. It's not going to work out well. But Obviously, we have a podcast, so it's a bit ironic, yeah. What do you call it? So basically, like, I was thinking, like, maybe the third wheel could turn into some sort of, like, entertainment network. It would be quite nice for it, too. Because we have, like, a lot of things in the plans and pipelines. But obviously, we need, first of all, we need COVID to fuck off. Second of all, we need to, like, ideally get some sponsorship. And then we, the ideas we have and stuff, I'm sure, would kick off quite well. It would just take a little bit more time to build. So right now, we're, I guess we're in the stage of building an audience, still expanding slowly, but surely um, refining certain techniques related to the podcast so that, Say we were to drop our day jobs and go into it, I guess. Obviously, obviously, I haven't discussed this with Aaron fully, like if he would drop his day job for it. But I'm at the point where I'm like, you know what? Yeah, I'll scrap my day job. I'll just stick with my startup and this. Yeah, like I'm at that point where I'm just like, you know what? I'll do this. And obviously, if anyone else needed a, you know, if anyone needs a writer slash ghostwriter for the music, holla at your boy. <laughs> um, I'm still out here with my top quality boss. Can't wait for the next rapper crap, Aaron. I've put some bangers in there. But yeah. See them. <laughs> Yeah. 1,000 likes on this episode and Hamish will release an album. <laughs> yeah. I'll promote yeah. that. Yeah. Could you imagine? What would it be about, Aaron? What do you think my album would be about? Uh, probably uh, cats, dogs, <laughs> and Skepta, <laughs> and Chicken Cottage. We love a good Chicken Cottage. Uh, and and open, open-mindedness. Open and rich shoots. And rich shoots as well. <laughs> Ascending for the rich and the and politicians, yeah. Wow, sounds better than 21's new album, actually. So <laughs> I haven't actually heard 21's new album. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Your one sounds uh, pretty pretty good. So. But yeah, what about you, Aaron? See, I think I'm more just like, I've been more of a kind of a take everything as it comes kind of person. So there's obviously like stuff I've like thought about, like in my head where I've been like, oh yeah, maybe I could do this by the end of the year. But then it's never like something I've necessarily like been like, okay, this is my short term goal. Or this is my five-year plan. It's more just been like thoughts or like, oh yeah, it'd be pretty cool to do this at some point. Or mm, You need those as well. Like yeah. those are essentially long-term goals. Like even though, you know, they might not be in reach right now, it's something you have thought of could be in your future or you want it to be in your future. So definitely write it down. Like a lot of these don't need to be things you're definitely going to achieve as well. It's just like, it's good to really understand where you're at with yourself, what kind of things you like doing and finding a bit more about that. Because I think like people then 10 years down the line, they're like, oh my God, like I need to find myself or something. Like, I don't know who I am and stuff like that. You have that conversation, which is which is completely fair enough. But I think that's why it's important to even just note down stuff that you like now so you can figure that out a bit a bit early on as well. Is having a bucket list the same as like having like long-term goals? No, I don't think so. Because bucket list is like hobbies or stuff you want to take off, right? Or yeah, unless, but you can put that it within. It can like, be like a category. Oh, yeah, see, this oh, is the thing. You make it into your own. Make it personal, right? So like your five-year plan doesn't have to be, I, I've made it about my career because I'm a bit of a loser. But, you know, <laughs> definitely take up all these other things and put them in your plan as well, honestly. And just be like, right, these are things I want to do in the next like 20 years, right? It doesn't have to be five. It's It's all about what works for you and like what makes you feel a bit more I don't know more stable as well so especially during like COVID and stuff like that it's kind of made you think a bit more about these things maybe and think about where you want to be and it can stress people out so it's quite good to 
pull your thoughts together somehow and you don't have to revisit it all the time or anything like that or check or like I've achieved this it doesn't have to be like that but it's good to get an idea yeah I've decided I want to have a food truck at some point in my life oh wow yeah, yeah. definitely recommend what kind of <laughs> food you just burgers. burgers yeah I knew it <laughs> yeah what kind of wait what kind of burgers I don't know yeah I've been watching I'm, I'm starting I'm gonna become the burger bad man yeah oh that's not the same ring as the biryani bad man, you know. That, like, <laughs> no, you are the biryani bad boy. Oh. I'm a level above. I'm the burger <laughs> bad man. Rohini's just thinking, these sort of fucking morons. Like, <laughs> no, I think that's, those are good names. I'm, this is legitimate cracking up. So basically, honestly. you can ask Yash, because fourth year of uni, I was experimenting with my burgers, yeah. I'd make them from scratch. So and I've been watching the burger show on YouTube. Shout out to the burger show. And like, I've, I've got some good ideas in the pipeline. Coming soon to my Instagram. Watch out. Okay, what kind, okay, I'm interested in this. Do you put like, okay, so when you're like making the patty, right? Yeah. So, yeah. wait, so firstly, Hamish, okay, don't judge. I, okay, I eat beef, so I'm just thinking out there. <laughs> I don't judge, don't worry. Don't think I'm just going to hate yourself. <laughs> I get that a lot. I get that a lot. No, no, it's completely fine. I have to deal with Aaron, so imagine. As, yeah, as I said, it, like, I grew up around different people, so I'm used to everyone eating whatever they want. Yeah, apart from like people we get at uni who are like, you're not Hindu because you eat beef. And I'm like, Oh, yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. She put the middle <laughs> finger up for those of you who can see. <laughs> yeah, um, no, but I'm actually interested in this. I, I would definitely invest if I have some money. Right. I'd invest in that food truck. I'm really, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no. I've got, I've got, I've got different ideas. I've got different would ideas. You put, like, I'm gonna green start chili in the patties and stuff. What's the vibe like? Oh, in the pat, you know, but I've, I've been. Aaron here. can't eat chilies. So yeah, I can't okay. eat chilies. Well, I, I can. I just don't deal with them well. I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm gonna experiment soon. I'm going to start making some like every week, maybe, but like a different, do a different one each time. So I'm going to start with a classic cheeseburger. Basically, I, I lived in America for a year and I was basically just eating burgers like all the time. And they're just so simple. They're just so simple, but yet elegant at the same time. What burger inspired you from America? It probably was In-N-Out, you know? Yeah, In-N-Out is the bomb. It probably was. But then Shake Shack, the secret menus, the secret menus inspired me. Shake Shack have a secret menu where no it's a... It's a burger with peanut butter sauce, and it actually tastes Shake really Shack good. Shake Shack is, is dead. Bang, what the really? Fuck? It actually was really good. It was bacon. You like Shake Shack? Yeah, I'm yeah, no case. The secret menu, guys. The secret, yeah, yeah, secret, the secret menu. menu. Where like okay, I've never had. There's it. there's the debate. There's the East, East Coast versus West Coast. So it's Shake Shack versus In and Out. Yeah. yeah, and In and Out has the better burger, I believe, but Shake Shack has better fries. They also have better milkshake as well. So you're in a bit of a dilemma. So mm. I'm going to try and make a burger as well, where they combine Shake Shack and In and Out. The triple threat. One. Are you going to do the milkshake as well? Yeah. So you got the burger, the fries, the milkshake. Best milkshake, by the way, is that meat and shake Watford. That's the best milkshake ever, and they have really good food as well, all around because it's American diner. So go check that out. Meat and shake, please sponsor me. <laughs> <laughs> Great recommendation. But yeah, that's that's one of my latest long-term goals i just had this vision of you pulling up with like you know like those ice cream trucks and it, that song playing and then you just pull up uh, frying a burger to some next um, next place i don't know why and i just found it so funny you're like aaron's yeah i'm just imagine you getting parred off by some next person because you fucked up in some way what do you mean i don't know maybe they're like oh you're too short oh fantastic um <laughs> i get that problem a lot <laughs> yeah, yeah preach cool. yeah cool basically the food truck it might not be realistic it's just that might just be one of those things just the reality of life really <laughs> yeah so just yeah touching on realities of life you know I think like people as well can go through quite a lot you know at uni and also when they're working and we're not really like encouraged or taught on how to manage 
these realities of life alongside you know work or anything else so something I kind of went through this year my, my dad passed away of a heart attack last year so that was literally the most shocking thing that's happened to me you know like it was so sudden and basically my sister was also getting married and her engagement party was like a week after he passed so and like I got the call at work and then like I went home and like he'd already passed by the time I got home because I live in Cambridge so like obviously it was like time to get there whatever and I think that honestly I like was beating myself up for ages after that you know you you go through all these stages of like regret and you don't really come to terms with what's happened so especially with the pandemic and COVID and things like that I think it's really important to you know talk about these things a lot more as well and understand like the root of your motivation because like for me personally like losing my dad he was my biggest inspiration right like everything I did career and stuff like that I could always chat to him he was so modern compared to like a lot of a lot of parents you know obviously there was some some stuff that was the same but like in general I could chat to him about a lot of things so having both you know losing the person that you feel like most safest with then also you know a friend as well that can be quite tough and I felt like I didn't have like I had no motivation to do my work to continue with anything even just to get up and like wash my face right and I think a lot of people have this in different ways you know when people are going through like something going on with their family or like something in themselves you know they feel a bit more depressed and you start to forget doing these little things but you have to really understand about this about being adapting and this is what I really talked about a lot of you know not just being adapted like being able to be adaptable at work but also at life as well you have to really understand like things are always going to get shit you always have stuff that's going to you know fuck up all your processes and things like that but you have to understand and have a root motivation that pushes you and motivates you even when you're low and I think that can really come from the support system for me it was you know who I created strong relationships at work because there's a lot of things that need to be done there as well you know like adapting if you have to work from home if you have to take leave like whatever happens with that but yeah I think the main gist of that is really just don't let your situation navigate you you have to navigate your situation so that's, this is why I made the focus on about goals as well, because even if you have those things into play, whatever happens in, in your personal life or anything that you might feel like you can't deal with, you've got your goals to benchmark you and kind of bring you back into feeling like yourself again when you might not. So that's kind of a bit about that. Um, and yeah, just being able to manage that with work can be very difficult, I can imagine. And, you know, from my own experience, what I felt helped was just writing down why I was angry, right? Like writing down all these things. Like I've I've got a journal now where I just like write down random thoughts and stuff like that. And you'll be so surprised how helpful it is when you're in a rut and you can't focus on something. It's just to go outside, like do some breathing and like YouTube for this, like proper breathing to calm down and stuff, like really practice that. And also think of like three things you're grateful for, like affirmations or think of three things that make you happy in your goals or something and just take that time out and you'll be surprised how much more focus you have after that because we have an amazing capacity as humans to move between things and be adaptable. It's just sometimes our mind can't really like get there. So you're just trying to help your mind do that and learn about how to do that in yourself. So yeah, that's kind of what I would I would suggest. Yeah, I really liked the quote you said something in the middle there where you said, don't let your situation navigate you, but navigate your situation. I don't know if that's a quote from somewhere else, but it sounded really good. And I was, yeah, just, I was like, oh shit, she put down a t-shirt. Aaron thought of the money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, make a bar. <laughs> but no, yeah, I think, I think that also links into uh, when you're making like the goals and like short and long-term plans, as you said, like it can easily change and like s- situations can 
like affect those a lot. So even if you do make like long-term plans, if you can't achieve them, that could be for like a number of reasons and like unexpected uh, situations can occur. And like even this year with like COVID and all that, like the amount of people that might have made, I remember speaking, we were speaking with Hamish at the beginning of the year and his one year plans were outrageous. <laughs> no, okay, no, no, wait, wait that's because I got, you know how you end up like, tangenting that's what happened at tangenting in that conversation i just went off on a, a bloody ramble yeah. at that time that's why but um that was really nice of you to share that stuff with us and i can't like yeah yeah and we're sorry to hear that as how well. difficult it was that's cool I, I get like honestly i've been through the whole thing of like oh, it's awkward like don't know what to say mm. and stuff like that like yeah. i've learned it's better just to be straight up with things and just say it how it is people would you know people resonate with you and people understand your situation you know but you just have to just understand how you can navigate that and what you can learn from it as well because that will set you up in a way better position for your next challenge or yeah. whatever you may face so do you find i think you said like talking about it helps or was it more at the time it didn't because i know people are different with this so like you know talking about it will really help you but then lots of people would also just be like no i'll just like i'll deal with it myself and i'll just go over it in time kind of thing that's why i think it's really important to have a journal because I was a bit like that where I didn't want to talk about it. And even to this day, I don't. So although I talk about it, mm. the face value, what I've said to you is something I've you know, had to say to a lot of people. So that part comes naturally. But when it comes into like different things and people asking you other questions and it can get a bit deep, you could just burst into tears and just yeah. like it feels like it was yesterday. So like that never goes away. It's just about how you manage that. So yeah, like I think even if you're one of those people that doesn't want to talk about it and you want to deal with it yourself and things like that, you don't want those things bottling up and then stuff happens because of it. Because like, for example, like I, I was getting panic attacks, right? Like I'm just going to share that. I was bottling things up so much that that was then happening later. So you want to make sure that although you, you know you don't have to share with people and you don't have to go on about it and talk about it if you don't want, make sure you're doing the right mindfulness actions on yourself to make sure you're also going through the appropriate like grieving process or however you need to get over the situation so yeah keep the journal do something a bit more private that's fine but don't just like bottle it up and think it's gonna go away without taking some actions yeah no for sure one thing to add to that about mental health is that i noticed that in schools that they still don't have really have support mechanisms for it at least in my area Mm. which is a bit i guess a bit sad because like those youths around areas where we grew up for example they were never understand it and they would always be oblivious to it and rude to it or take it like you know like use it in a insulting way more than anything because they don't understand it and if they're going through it they don't know what to do and they may not have anyone else to speak to so the school's not having that support mechanism is a big issue i don't know if it's in other schools but i'm just saying like locally to me so i'm just like and this is as of current as well because i did ask one of my teachers i'm like do you actually do anything in terms of like therapy for your students in case like or counseling if they needed that they're like yeah we just don't because we can't like there's no funding for it we don't have anyone there's also like no funding and stuff for these kind of things like pastoral care and stuff like that like they don't put enough focus on things like that but then there should be your right because like kids are having to deal with a lot of challenges that you know adults sometimes don't have to face right and they don't know how to deal with that and they might not have the best role models in their life like you don't know anyone's situation so you're right like it should be like the school's duty to try and initiate that as much as they can and try and encourage that as much as they can through different ways but yeah as you're right like I don't see big changes so far from what I've seen but I, I've been out of school for, for quite a long time so yeah. yeah when did you speak to your teacher Hamish yeah 
It would have been maybe, do you know when I said I used to be organized like a week long work experience thing okay, into yeah, yeah. our school? So it would have been like during that period. Obviously, this year it was canceled, but yeah. Yeah, calm. So, like, they also do stay in touch in case we can op- open up opportunities. But with COVID, basically, there's just no chance I can create such things to happen. Yeah. No, no. That's cool. <laughs> what, what, you think I'm just ca- randomly speaking to my teachers, Aaron? <laughs> yeah. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> we do. I, I do have someone on Facebook, but like, nah. Um, we wouldn't. Wow. Yeah, so, but like so it's because some of them were like actually cool with us or maybe I helped us out a bit more above and beyond than what we always deemed of teachers not saying that other teachers did, like didn't want to help you it's just that these teachers more approachable yeah or like they kind of I guess like as students especially where we grew up it's very hard to kind of get through to us but they did kind of like get through to us and they sometimes I guess spoke more of our lingua so it was a bit more like they talked to us as normal people instead of talk down to us I think that probably helped like they also I guess as a result they were becoming more popular teachers amongst us certain groups because you know we could speak to them we could joke about certain things more they were like a bit more let us be a bit more informal in class it plays out like in different ways right instead of forcing people to be something that they aren't obviously it helps them understand that you're gonna have to do this in life adapt to the situations but they also like added comfort in those like classroom scenarios where a lot people may not have liked it so and yeah then it creates a good relationships for them in the future if they want to ask us to come in for a talk we'll do it mm. vice versa if, if they want to also send students over to our workplaces for experience that they can't get otherwise why not it basically creates like good network for them in the future as well you know I see instagram stories now and then from like guys from my school and they're like at the pub with like old school teachers and wow it's, it's mainly like the rugby guys like in the rugby coaches and all that from school and like the PE teachers. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, yeah. <laughs> I could not imagine doing that. Do you have any from the Snapchat, Hamish? No, shut up, nah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you make me sound like such a dickhead. <laughs> oh. fuck on this. <laughs> no, but people listening won't know this, but we've been uh, recording for like two and a half hours. So yeah, probably probably good time to wrap things up. So I don't know if you know, but we have a kind of like a winding down procedure. I don't know why I called it a winding down procedure. We have like a like an ending where we have like some final questions a call out and then a shout out um so we start with our final questions for you and the first one is what is one piece of advice you'd give to younger you i think the piece of advice i give to younger me would be chill the fuck out honestly like <laughs> looking back on it i and i think also society plays into this as well right and i know I've, i'm being a bit hypocritical here because i'm saying you know do as much work experience as you can and focus on your career at the same time when i was really young i think i focused on that a bit too much and so from the age of like 15 I was like okay what do I want to do like if I want to go into like banking I should do some work like work experience now and then I did like free work experience for a private equity firm and like it was literally it was very stressful and it was like long hours till like 10 and I was doing like receipts like people's expenses and stuff like that so it wasn't like hard work at all it was just so strenuous and I feel like I put a lot of pressure on myself and a lot of kids can and it's very easy to when you have things like Instagram and like you know all these other social medias where you're looking and comparing yourself to other people and where you think you should be so I think you generally just have to understand that life's not like that enjoy where you are now and really enjoy it try and see and foster you know friendships as much as you can when you're young with different people you know Hamish what you were saying literally when you chat to other people and stuff there's you learn from so much from their experiences and it it shapes your own and you learn that when you're older so definitely like go out there like make friends as much as you can when you're younger and also just chill out 
more when you're younger as well. Just really understand that, you know, there's a time and place for everything and you don't have to be there right now. So I should take in some very good life lessons here. We learned about Diwali <laughs> in the English manner. <laughs> and yeah, that's actually really good advice, to be honest. But yeah, that doesn't mean you shouldn't chill out at yeah. this age as well. Like, you know, do chill out as well. I have your uh, goal and shit, but then also like, yeah, just chill out. Um, the second question is, what is one thing you would change in the world? Honestly, I was thinking about this one and I don't want to say something super generic, but it's going to be a bit generic. I would actually say global warming, right? Because honestly, I've always been one of those people that hasn't, I've cared to an extent about the environment, but I have been on the on the other side where, you know, I don't care as much in certain ways. I wasn't always recycling, you know, like doing my bit and things like that. And now, you know, you can't reverse this trend and all the stuff I've been seeing is mad of you know what the world will look like in t- in five years and I think a lot of people are not so aware of the fast rate of, of which the environment is really getting that damaged so yeah that is the one thing I would change and that would also be like the perspective of people as well for that just do your bit man yeah just little yeah. things and make sure you are putting your bag in the recycling and putting your normal rubbish in the normal bin because if you don't like I know I've seen so I, I live in like an apartment complex and a lot of people can sometimes just like take out their main rubbish and throw it in the recycling because it's closer to the door like than the other bins and I understand like you know it's a bit inconvenient but it's more inconvenient for the person taking out the rubbish because they have to actually go in there and literally like empty absolutely everything and redo the whole process if one bag is in there so you know just don't make things harder for that person please and also just, yeah, it's impacting the world. Like we love the world, you know, we want it to look how it is in 10 years and it's just not going to go that way unless we do our bit. So I think people need to really keep going and promote that a bit more. Yeah. Okay. Third question. This is a question we ask every guest and that is what has been your most memorable third wheeling experience? Okay. I honestly, this was a really tough one for me. I was really trying to like look through my mind and see if there was anything really memorable this isn't so out there really but it's just something I do remember because I was like in a long distance relationship throughout uni my boyfriend was in New York so like time difference everything was fucked up in terms of that level of communication so I was at home chilling and I live with one of my best friends Katie and it was just two of us in the flat so her boyfriend who she just like kind of started seeing as well as quite like fresh relationship had like started coming over and stuff and obviously I was so lonely man I was like missing the Netflix and chill like just chilling like everything so they'd be like chilling and usually like you know whoever's got the boyfriend whatever can like chill and like stuff like that but I'd like come in the room and just like sit on the sofa and just be like what are we watching guys like what are we doing today guys like what are we doing this evening like really trying pushing myself in there because I was like maybe I can get some some kind of you know i don't know interact did it occur to you also that you could be cock blocking yeah it did but then you know <laughs> you're like whatever don't get honestly they're doing great now and you know he's also become my best mate as well so it's actually chill you know like fine these experiences can turn into something positive but no i mean after a while i got the hint and i was like okay i can't just like sit here watching peep show like endlessly with them i need to give them some space so i did start doing that but yeah, I was a bit pushy at the beginning. Yeah. Adapting. It's all about adapting, right? Yeah, it's adapting to the environment, the current situation. <laughs> yeah, the next part is call out where you can basically nominate one or many people to hopefully be a guest in the future on the third wheel. Are there any nominations you have? Yeah. Okay. So I want to shout, can I shout out two people? Because they're kind of yeah, working yeah. on the same thing. Okay. So I want to shout out 
my one of my best friends Olivia and also Eve so both of them so it's actually Olivia's working on this initiative called Visible she started it with her friend Kate and my friend Eve is working on like the marketing and things like that of it and and it's an amazing platform where you're able to report any sexual harassment on the tube so right now you cannot do this and 90% of cases are not reported. So there's a big data gap here, right? So yeah, it would be awesome to bring them on and tell you a bit more about that because right now they're, you know, really working on the back end, trying to gain traction and things like that. So yeah, Olivia and Eve, your shout out. Cool. Awesome. We'll uh, get in touch with them. And last bits of shout out. So yeah, anything you want, you can just like basically give it a bit of a plug. Rohini, anything? No, not loads. I mean, I kind of just shouted out that about Visible <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. anyway. That was kind of what I wanted to say, but nothing else really from me. Just stay safe, everyone. Uh, what, what have I got? What have I got? I'm going to shout out. Okay, hopefully by this time this episode come out, I've become the burger bad man. Yeah. <laughs> so hopefully. <laughs> Are you starting to advise like... just like me as well now? Yeah? No, wow, no, no. I'm thinking, I'm thinking of my weeks. like... Am I like start? No, no, I won't have a food truck or anything. Okay. But I'm hoping I would have made a few burgers and like put them on like my Instagram story or something. But like make a highlight for it. So that's what I'm hoping. There'll be like a highlight on my Instagram with my burger creations. So check that out. Food hygiene rating at two. (laughs) Yeah, but if it tastes good. (laughs) Is it tastes good? Look better. (laughs) Yeah. A great woman once told me that. Yeah, cool. That's mine. Sweet. All right. Yeah. So mine's actually, I just realized that basically there's three albums that released basically D Block Europe, The Blueprint, Heady One, Edna, Bryce and Tiller, Anniversary. I'll put, I'll put the best selection of the songs that I like from there into my usual third wheel shout out playlist. Go check it out. And then also go check out a mental health charity that will be linked below. And yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I was going to say, I actually got something else to shout out as well. E2W, the network that I'm part of. I do want to shout that out. So it's open to all women, not just in financial services, but if you're in law or anything like that. And yeah, it's it's been really great for me personally, progression wise, but also just work ethic wise and everything. And, and I've made a lot of friends there as well and learned a lot through different workshops. So really recommend that as well. Yep. Wicked. Well, thanks so much for coming on. Cool. Thank you. Uh, nice meeting you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's been great speaking and uh, yeah, speaking to you for the first time. Yeah, it's been so great meeting you guys and just getting to know you guys a bit more. I'm a big fan of the of the show, so we'll keep listening. Thank you, thank you. And yeah, anyone else is listening, go give us a rating on Apple Podcasts. Give us a follow wherever on all social medias. We're at the Third Wheel FM on like Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Yeah. Wherever. Don't forget to use the Third Wheel gifts and stickers available across Instagram and you know Facebook, wherever. Yeah, use all that good stuff. And yeah, wicked. Thanks everyone for listening, and we will speak to you next week. Have a good all day. right, see ya. See ya. Bye. Bye.